What's up, everybody? I'm Kyle Hamilton, All-American Safety for University of Notre Dame, and I just want to say thank you for tuning into the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Welcome to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. And it's been a while, but we lasted longer than obviously what's going on in the political scene in the UK. So, hey-ho, trying to keep it topical. But this is the start of our summer scouting series and no better place to start than with our quarterbacks. And who do we have on the pod than our resident quarterback guru, Kieran. Kieran, how are you doing? Long time no speak. Yeah, it's been a while, mate. We just had a nice little catch up before we started recording, but finally getting back into talking football, that's, you know, that's what we shine at. And talking quarterbacks is probably, besides when we start to get to talking about guys like Osura Digizuwa and, you know, all our hidden gems, that's normally our favourite part. But quarterbacks is our second favourite part. Exactly. And we have a tendency to pick out some hidden gems, maybe not a quarterback, but like other position groups. So maybe take this, take this podcast listen to it back in April and then they think, right, we were onto something well, way back when. So, well, that's the plan anyway, but we shall see who we, who we talk about. So um, the format for today, it's going to be, we're going to go through our top five, starting from five all the way down to one. And then we're going to go for our underrated guy, someone that maybe hasn't got the hype currently, but will be getting the hype come draft time next April. And someone that's a bit overrated, that's getting way too much hype that, um, we just need to temper the breaks down and, and, and understand why they're being overhyped. So, Kieran, I'm going to uh, pass the floor on to you. Who's your number five guy that is on your top five list? So this was actually a toss-up between two players just because it was really hard ranking because there's some really good quarterbacks. But as you sort of get to, like, around number five, the gap starts to get bigger between guys. But I've actually gone for uh, Grayson McCall out of Coastal Carolina. Not much to say about him, but he's like a safe, very efficient quarterback, can get the job done. We've seen over his um, past two years as a starter at Coastal Carolina, not only has his touchdown percentage improved, I mean, it's only improved by one, but he's actually, his completion percentage has improved, his yards per pass has improved by an entire yard. And he just looks night and day above how he did in his first year as a starter. Problem is, he's on one of those teams. He's on a Sunbelt team, so he might not get the recognition he deserves. Or he's not going to be playing as high-level competition as some of the other guys on this list, which is actually why I've got him at five. If he was maybe doing what he's doing in a Power 5 conference, maybe SEC, ACC, I would have him higher. But I think the fact that he's in the Sunbelt really limited him a bit. But I really like him. He's not stellar at any one thing he's not one of these crazy athletes who can you know he's got legs but that's not he can't make it go like Malik Willis he hasn't got a rocket arm like Desmond Ritter but he's very safe he's very very efficient and he just plays fun ball like he's only thrown three picks over the course of the year uh, for 27 touchdowns and uh, over 2,800 yards so I just think as safe quarterbacks go I think he's kind of the guy to look for no I, I like Grayson McCall I, I don't have him in my top five but he did stand out to me when I was scouting um Isaiah Likely last year and that would be one big question like without him in the offense now do you could you see a potential regression this year compared to last year or do you think McCall still has it to elevate the talent around him yeah, he's obviously lost some key. He's obviously, you know, lost some key pieces. You say like Isaiah Likely, also had a great running back in CJ Marable, who's now in the USFL. Um, correct me if I'm wrong there. I think that's where he's playing. So he's got two guys who are going on to play pro ball a bit at different levels, but it depends. Seeing what I saw in the spring camp stuff, it looks like he's got a good group of receivers in there, but only time will tell. I'm hoping. He, he's elevated himself to the, you know, the saying where, you know, a great quarterback can make a number three receiver a, a number one. 
I'm hoping he's got that sort of talent just at the college level where he can sort of elevate some of the lower ranking recruits up to his level. Because if he can't, he's fucked, let's be honest. But I'm hoping he can sort of elevate some of the guys. They've had some pretty decent wide receiver recruits come in and a couple of decent guys returning. So I think as long as he can just, you know, at least improve on last season a bit, which, you know, if his track record is anything to go by, he'll probably throw one more touchdown this year, the same amount of picks and have like 5% better completion percentage, which would honestly be great to me. It's one of the reasons, like, if you can tell a guy's doing that, it shows he's coachable. So if he, if he could do that in this season, I think he's firmly going to be in my top five when the draft comes around as well. Nice, nice. Well, moving on to my number five. So my number five is Florida quarterback, Anthony Richardson. Um, I don't know why there was ever a debate in the middle to the back end of last season with who would start at Florida between Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson. It's just like, there's no, there's no contest. And just from the short amount of time we saw Richardson as a starter, his dual threat ability, as well as a howitzer of an arm, like his, his arm talent is absolutely phenomenal and his ability to um, be that dual threat quarterback is, is, is definitely a real plus point that obviously there's with the size and build and, and the way he plays, there are obviously comparisons already to Cam Newton um, in terms of his playing style. Um, the, the thing is we had, we just haven't seen enough uh, of Richardson. There's only a very small sample size last year. What we saw was exciting and enticing. And you hope that upward trajectory means that he, he, he improves the elements of his game where we didn't really see as much in terms of the touch um, just improve his technique in terms of his hips and his feet um, and his ability to be, uh, play in the pocket as well, rather than his instant thought of, of just uh, running um, if, if he hasn't seen his first read. But um, the tools are there, the fundamentals are there, the frame is there, big body build. Um, and yeah, I think I think he's definitely one of those guys that if he puts in uh, a season, a full season's worth of tape backing up the end of last year i think uh, he's going to get a lot of draft buzz come come april time how do you think billy napier is going to use him being the new head coach at florida this is a great tool to have at his disposal going from you know a super athletic but tiny man at quarterback what he had at the raging cajuns and now going to florida sort of the inverse in terms of size just a gigantic mammoth of a quarterback who's just really bill absolutely yoked how do you think he's going to use him um, you've got to use him to his strengths. You've got to use that dual threat ability. Like he is so powerful with his um, uh, with his running ability. Like he he can truck uh, people. He can he can he's got a couple moves as well. He can juke past people. Like he's 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 a really good runner. But don't underestimate his his uh, arm talent. Like he can throw it 60, 70 yards down the field, and it's not floaty. It's got some real zip on it so you've got to use that dual threat ability like um yeah just the cam newton model is probably something that, that florida should should adopt um how cam was how cam was used at auburn like i wouldn't be surprised if, if that's a similar blueprint as what uh, what billy napier is going to use at florida yeah it was it was weird last season i mean Florida just they're a team that surprises me because they get so many big recruits in every single year and just consistently underperform now I'm saying that as an LSU fan but we had no business beating them last year we had the worst rushing attack in probably college football it felt like and then Ty Davis Price put up like 300 yards on them so I don't I don't know what I don't know what's going on in Florida right now it was the void of Kyle Trask that's what it was (laughs) Yeah, that's that's what they were missing. Yeah, well, uh, and also Carl Pitts and Kadarius Tony, but yeah, we're, yeah. we're gonna give we're gonna give some Carl Trask some love, right? So, not uh, me, but there you go. Yeah, not me either. I'm just I'm being I'm being very facetious there. But ever since yeah. ever since someone said he might be the next Joe Burrow, I've just been totally sour on Kyle Trask. <laughs> well, I don't think he'll be back up at, at Tampa Bay because I think that, that someone they'll be, they'll they'll uh, have someone above him anyway so oh, he'll be retired of old age before brady leaves i'm sure <laughs> he 
who's going to retire first, Brady or Trask. Anyway, di- diverging from uh, a former former college quarterback to who's your number four, Kieran? Another one that was a toss-up, but I'm throwing him in there just because I love him. I love the way he plays. Hendon Hooker out of Tennessee now. Transferred in from, was it Virginia Tech? I think there's like 80 schools in Virginia, so I can never always tell. But had a fantastic year in 2021. 31 touchdowns and three picks and a 68% completion percentage. Almost put up 3,000 yards. He's absolutely fantastic. He obviously was doing bits in the rushing attack. He's an absolute crazy athlete. Um, Last year, he put up 620 yards and five scores with his legs. So absolutely fantastic athlete. He can do it all. Like we've said, though, this is a problem you get with some of these guys who are freak athletes. They'll Their first read's not open, and they just start running. I mean, we've seen it with even guys like Sam Howell, who weren't really thought of as, you know, rushing quarterbacks. Sometimes if their first read's not open, they'll just tuck it and start going, which I think is a real big problem because you can lose a lot of yards that way. And also a lot of quarterbacks aren't super great on ball security. So he can also lose a lot of fumbles and turnovers that way too. So if he can get that under control, get it, you know, he looked pretty good in camp. The spring game was fairly impressive. If he can continue on the trajectories already set for himself, I think he'd be fantastic. Problem is though, going into the draft, you mentioned it to me earlier was age. You know, he's a fifth year senior now. This is his last shot at it. So this might be like, hey, everything's going to go. Let's go for it. It's worked out for some players, guys like Joe Burrow, for example. But this really is his last shot to make it to the NFL, and that might push him to play harder, but it also might make him crumble. And when you're 24 years old leaving college, it sucks to say, but the NFL does take notice of that age. So you are going to have to play exceptionally. But I think Hendon Hooker's got all the tools to be a first-round pick, and I think he could be a great quarterback. It's just whether he puts it together this year or not. I like Hendon Hooker as well. He's not in the top five. Um, he was going to be one of my underrated guys because ditto what I've said about uh, Richardson, maybe just a, a, a slight, a slighter frame and maybe not as um, powerful in the running game, but he's another dual threat quarterback. Um, and Tennessee are one of those teams that I'm actually really excited for this year. Like, they did a lot better than a lot of people thought last year, considering the amount of talent that left last year, both on offense and defense. The likes of uh, Henry Toto and Eric Gray. And um, yeah, just they were fun to watch last year. And I think they're going to be fun to watch again this year in the SEC. And uh, a big part of that is obviously Hendon Hooker. Like I said to you in the group, age is a big thing. Like potentially if he sits out first year in the NFL, he'll be a full-time starter at 26 years old, which is just crazy. Um, so again, it's all or nothing. Puts it together this year, then he will get some draft buzz. But yeah, I don't. There's not a lot of scope for um, for sort of any fluctuation in his play. It's got to be uber consistent throughout the year. Yeah, like you said as well, that that his slight frame can be concerning. I mean, it's it's not the be all and end all for quarterbacks, but when you're a guy who you're putting up 620 yards on the ground, which might not sound like a lot in terms of just like all over rushing stats, but for a QB, that's a lot, a lot more hits than you should be taking. So will his slight frame affect him? I'm hoping not. Some guys are just built different, which is crazy. Like Devontae Smith, the fact that that guy hasn't been snapped in half when getting tackled by Micah Parsons is just shocking to me. But the thing I do like about Hendon Hooker, which I think we do need to take into account, I said it with Grayson McCall, is the fact that he is playing a very, very high level of competition in the SEC. If you're going to take a quarterback who... Look, when you play in the SEC, I'm not saying the SEC is the best conference. I mean, it is, but I'm not saying that. You tend to find more exotic-looking defences. The offensive audibles are a little bit more complicated. It's just a tiny step above uh, everything else we see in terms of IQ and things like that because you've got to deal with guys like Nick Saban every year. So I feel like that's going to be a huge plus for him. The fact that he's only thrown three interceptions going up against week in, week out, NFL level defenses, NFL caliber players that maybe are more, you know, the SEC tends to be a little bit more talent rich. But the fact that he's got that on his side is a real big bonus for me. And watching him play, he knows the game. He just, 
like I said, as long as he can get that tucking and running under control, he'll be fantastic. Because mechanically, he's actually, for a dual threat guy, mechanically, he's actually pretty sound. So, you know, the sky's the limit for him. It's just the age thing that a lot of teams are going to be concerned about. Do you want to be signing a fifth-year option with a 30-year-old player? Yeah, agreed. I think his mechanics are, are, are pretty good and um, his, arm, his arm talent's above average as well. So that obviously gives him something to work on, which is which is positive. Um, good. All right, well, I'll go on to my number four. And my number four is Tanner McKee out of Stanford. Our frame of six foot six. He was in the same uh, recruiting class as um, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. But the reason why he's um, two years removed from when they were draft eligible is because he went on a 21 months um, Catholic sabbatical or Christian sabbatical, I think it was in Brazil. Um, so that's why obviously he's a, a little bit um, later than those two. Obviously, age is then now a factor. But I, I think the, the big thing that I, I, I see when I look at Tanner McKee is his, um, his uh, technique. And his core fundamentals, his hips, his feet placement, his his stature in the pocket is fantastic. Like his 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 core fundamentals of what you need from a quarterback in terms of the way where his feet point, the like it's it's just great. And that translates into his arm talent, his arm talent and his velocity. He has got some serious arm talent. Um he he can really zip that ball. He's got a really pretty spiral. The only problem, the only issue for him is the other side of his game was the touch and the accuracy. Sometimes it's compromised because he has his, his his arm talent so good. A bit like like Josh Allen, like where he's just so reliant on his arm talent, then it's just the the the, the sort of the the intermediate and the short short game that he just needs to just get better on. on. But you watch the tape, and obviously Stanford have a quarterback in. Uh, in the NFL now, Davis Mills, who, who was who did pretty well last year, I I would have Tan McKee above Dave, Davis Mills because um, yeah, just but the similar similar style like athletic, poise in the pocket. Well, not sorry, not athletic, but they, they they can move around the pocket. They're not immobile, but there's poise in the pocket. There's there is NFL traits right there for someone to 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 take a chance on in the first round potentially, because if he, he, he puts it together for Stanford this year, he's got all the fundamentals and the technique, which, which is what, if, you, if you're going to be a, an older guy, your technique's got to be sound because if you're in the NFL, you, you can't invest in two years worth of coaching before they start. You need, they need to go in straight away. Um, and I think Tanner McKee is one of those guys that if he puts it together this year, he will be a first round talent because you can't say no six foot six to 25 to 30 pounds. Like that, that's how you build a quarterback in the lab. So um, yeah, I really like Tanner McKee and I'm excited to see what he does this year. Yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned Josh Allen because he's a guy who, when he came into the NFL, he was getting himself in a lot of trouble, a lot of sacks, a lot of picks because he was just relying on pure arm talent. And going into his third year in the league, we saw that he really, he really buckled down on his passing. I said it before the season. I was like, hold on, he's got a, almost an entirely different throwing mechanic this season, where he's he's you know setting his front foot correctly, he's pivoting really well, he's swinging his hips correctly, and you can see how much his passing game improved in the off season where he did that. And then he goes on and throws 40 touchdowns. I think it was 40 touchdowns or maybe that's 40 yes, combined touchdowns. The next, yeah. the next season he goes out and absolutely balls. So I think like you said about Tanner, like he's got that Josh Allen comparison. You know, he is six foot six. He is two thirty, very similar to the Josh Allen build. And if he's got that rocket arm, as long as he can get the fundamentals under control, he can be a very, very effective quarterback. I mean, two of the top two quarterbacks in the league right now are Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. And the both thing they have in common is coming out of college, they had absolute dog shit mechanics. They were just gunslingers with rocket arms who can kind of move a little bit. But you give them a couple of years. I mean, Patrick Mahomes developed a lot faster, but I think that came from consequence of not having to start 16 games his rookie year. But you see both guys have developed into top three quarterbacks at this point, just through virtue of getting their mechanics down to add that 
you know, that final piece to having all these physical talents that they've got. So I think, like you said, if he can put it together mechanically, he could absolutely be a crazy player to contend with. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what he does this year because, yeah, he his mechanics are really good already. So um, he doesn't need to improve that side. It's just his his touch and his accuracy is what I want to see in terms of his, his progression this year. But yeah, he's got all the, he's got all the core fundamentals to really, really push himself up the draft board. So that's my number four. Who's your number three, Kieran? Another one that I had, I had to toss up because as you get into the top three, it's a little, little bit dangerous. This is going to cause some controversy, but Will Levis out of Kentucky I really, really like this kid, and I have no idea why, because he's not hes not like a crazy star or whatever, man. Just the way he plays ball, I love it. He's a bit more reckless than the other guys. 24 touchdowns to 13 interceptions last year, 2,800 yards with a 66% completion percentage. But like I said, that completion percentage is up from the year before a bit. He only threw 55 passes the year before. But the fact that it's gone up over an even larger sample size is genuinely quite impressive um yeah i like him man i shouldn't like him he's another sec guy it's three sec guys in this top five that'll give you a clue who to one of my top one or two is but yeah just um a baller who i think has so much talent that just needs to be refined a little bit more i look at him the same way i looked at um Malik Willis for example now I'm not saying he has that same physical makeup or any of the same tools but the guy can ball he just has to you know rein in some of the bad habits he got he needs to stop forcing passes I think that's his problem the Kentucky Wildcats of late have not been they've not been a super fantastic football team but they are building and last year was a pretty good year for them with Levis under center so I think if we can if he can you know, if he can just refine his talents, I think he'll be one of the top guys going into the draft. And I, it's it's probably a controversial take, but I, I don't know what it is. We say this all the time. When you watch certain guys, like, for example, when you watch Desmond Ritter play or when you watched uh, Malik Willis play, you see something in them that you say, wow, that's a that's an NFL player. I just see that in Will Levis. I don't know why. <laughs> just something about his game. I can see him playing in the NFL. Well, as a man who is very sort of high up on mechanics, how do you see his mechanics when I see his feet are narrow, his, he panics in the pocket, um, I yeah I'm just I, there is a lot of work to, to to be done mechanically he couldn't he couldn't even beat out um what's his name Sean Clifford at Penn State so so that so that that's a, a bit of a flag to me and he would also be 24 when he when he gets drafted so if he hasn't cleaned up his, his mechanics already I'm thinking and his offensive coordinator last year has now is now the offensive coordinator of the Rams so if he couldn't fix his mechanics, because what I what I saw as well is if he wasn't having the greatest of games, Liam Cohen would just scheme it ridiculously. So he just make it easier for him to to just get Wondell Robinson in the game and just sort of jet sweeps, short passing. Yeah. Just... Well, a lot of what think... I'm basing this off is just from the spring game. He seems to like his mechanics are a bit t- like it's a spring game. You know, you're not getting hit in the pocket. Let's just put that out there. But he seemed to take a little more time with his progressions, not in the sense that, you know, he's in the pocket all day, but he's actually going through his reads a little bit more correctly. His base, he set his base a lot wider, I noticed. His base was a lot wider when he came out. He was leaving himself a lot more open. Sometimes, uh, you know, little hole would open in the pocket and he, instead of like taking off and running at the spring game, he'd actually climb into the pocket put a ball out so there is there's progression there I just he's just so fun man like I'm basing a lot of this off he's really really fun but he's just an exceptional player um when it comes to the fun factor so I really hope what I saw in the spring game is going to be indicative of what I see 
in the season. And then fingers crossed, you know, uh, he, I, he, he can live up to this. I agree with you because Kentucky were fun to watch last year. But if you actually drill down, like for me, if you drill down into actually... I think that's all offensive scheme. Yeah, 100%. Fair 100%, yeah. And uh, a power running game as well. Yeah, I think so, that helps him a lot. I know he's probably going to lean on that a little bit this year. But like I said, he is forcing balls and stuff like that. And he didn't seem to be doing that in the spring game. So I am basing it entirely off a of spring game for this guy just because I like what I saw last year. But that's that's the controversial talking point for this podcast. Oh, well, I might, I might throw a bit of controversy out here as well because my number three guy is someone I've been talking about for a long, long time. I'm all in on him this year. Um, it's Tyler Van Dyke out of Miami. It's, I knew it. I knew it. I, I, and you know what? Like mechanics, uh, you're probably gonna you're probably gonna dissect his mechanics because he he's not mechanically. It's just not quite right because no, it doesn't look right. Is it side, sidearm thrower, right? And that which, comes by from... the way, quick side note, and I'll I'll make this under five minutes and forty six seconds, but. The the thing that I've noticed, a lot of quarterback coaches, modern quarterback coaches, I will say modern quarterback coaches. I don't think I fit into that. But you've got these guys now who are just every throw, sidearm in it. And like I spoke to Calder Hodge a couple of weeks ago, who's a Texas A&M guy who doesn't have any legs. So he has to sidearm the ball. But when you have a, a, a full base out there, especially when you have an arm as good as Tyler's, you should be throwing up every single time because all this sidearm is doing is helping passes getting battered down and he- helping you get picked off by linebackers who you can't see because you're essentially throwing sideways. So, yeah, the sidearm thing really bothers me, but I think that's sort of becoming the norm now. We've, you know, people shit their pants when they saw Quinn Ewers throw like a sidearm five yard pass in Elite 11 camp. So, I, ju- I guess it's becoming the norm, but I just. I don't like the sidearm thing. I think for me, you have to have a high release point on your ball or you're not going to be able to push the ball downfield effectively. Now saying that, he can do that because he has a howitzer arm. But yeah, the, the sidearm, that's the noise me. Well, the, the reason behind uh, extremely good pitcher at college as well. So that baseball technique is coming in there and obviously we've seen with Kyler Murray, like, baseball Trent and uh and Russell Wilson as well and Patrick if you, yeah if you're a good pitcher in baseball like I don't know you put two and two together and uh it could work out and 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 the thing is maybe sometimes talent can overrule mechanics and, and the classic example is that is Philip Philip Rivers Philip Rivers has an absolute yes. dog mechanics right but look look at look at how long he stayed in the league and look at how look at how well, he did as a, as a quarterback and his longevity in the league. So you've always got to take that with a pinch of salt. And and just watching the tape last year, it's very similar to what happened at Florida last year. But how how they they stuck with Garrett King for that long is just a joke because when as soon as Ty Van Dyke came in, it was chalk and cheese. Short, intermediate, and vertical. It's he's um, fantastic. His pass can be a bit floaty in the um, down the field, but his accuracy and out of I think the biggest thing, and you got him. He's he's what started half a year, so like again, it's experience, like full year under Cristobal. It's, it could look even even better, but his red zone game was phenomenal last year, absolutely phenomenal. Like his an, anticipation, his touch, he's he's got the quarterback IQ, which is something that I really put a high amount of stock on. The only thing, the, the one thing I would like to see him develop this year is to actually get that drive himself into the pocket. He does tend to sort of drop back and just stay there where if, if he can just move for drive into the pocket and, and really sort of exert himself in the pocket, I think he's going to make himself a, a ton, a ton better quarterback. And obviously I think Cristobal, although Cristobal did get a bit of criticism of how he ran the offense when just, he's going to have a, like a really good head coach to develop now, and uh, I'm really I'm, I'm really excited about uh, the Hurricanes this year. Just um, 
because I'm I'm on the Tyler Van Dyke train. Yeah, and I think that that actually you talked about him floating a couple balls. I actually think that comes from he's a little bit wary about his arm strength. So I see when you see those floaty balls, yeah, he's putting them downfield, but I think he's not putting everything on it because I think he's worried about overthrowing people. So I think that's where it comes from, just learning how to control his arm a little bit more. And, and you know, that's that's where it comes from. We've said it time and time again on just this podcast about these guys with rocket arms who learn how to control it. And that comes all from the mechanical side of the ball. You can't be accurate with bad mechanics. You just can't. Look at Trey Lance, for example. I know people were talking about the whole 28 touchdowns, no picks or whatever. But if you look at the passes he was throwing, the receivers were doing a lot of work for him. And it just comes from his mechanics were poor from the feet up. So I think with Tyler Van Dyke, like I said, we see him floating the ball and stuff a little bit like that. But I think honestly, that's him not putting everything on the ball because some of those floating balls, if he put everything on it, he's overthrowing the guy by like 10 yards because he just does have that much of a huge arm. Like you said, in the red zone, you can see the zip he puts on the ball, the velocity he puts in there. It very much reminds me of um, Carson Strong with just the amount of mustard he uh, puts on it. So I, I think that's a very smart pick, actually. So moving on to our number two quarterbacks and Kieran, uh, there's two big, there's two big ones um, fighting out. I think, I think we know who they are, but which order do you have them in? Who is numero dos? It's one of two guys, obviously. Um, might surprise you because I was so high on this guy last year, but I'm going to put Bryce Young at number two. Uh, which is where I think our number ones will actually intersect a little bit as we've not really lined up any point this year. But I know he's the Heisman Trophy winner. I know, you know, 66% completion percentage, 4,800 yards, 47 touchdowns, seven picks. Bryce Young is a phenom. But, and this could also go for the other guy, I guess, because the other guy, the other university is falsely trying to make a claim at wide receiver you. Like, come on, guys. You've already got yourself as rule changing so we can make the championship game you. But I I, I think Bryce Young is helped a lot by his supreme offensive line because Alabama always have the best offensive line in football. And I think he has the chance to put up these monster numbers because his defense allows him to be on the field so much. This defense shuts down almost everybody. I mean, I know they're a group of five team, but Cincinnati had this just incredibly explosive offense going into that game. And even though guys were getting open, like Alec Pierce was open on almost every single play, Desmond Ritter just couldn't get the ball out because of how suffocating that Alabama defensive line is. Now, I think that's the only reason between... The only difference, sorry, between one and two for me is that his defense is affording him more chances to get on the field and wow. But Bryce Young is really, really good. <coughs> he is fantastic. His The way he goes through his progressions, his athletic profile, he's got a real pretty ball he throws. He's not exactly like one of these rocket arm guys, but he's got a very good arm. He can push the ball downfield, and I really like him. My only downside is that I think a lot of this just comes from the master offensive scheming they do at Alabama. I mean, look at the last few years. They've brought guys like Bill O'Brien and Steve Sarkeesian through that room, and they are just, you know, funneling guys through there who are NFL level coordinators. Now I do think he benefits from that, but obviously he's a talent. I think he's probably the best quarterback Alabama's had in maybe 10 or 20 years, maybe even ever, just given how these guys tend to pan out in the NFL. I actually think, you know, Mac Jones was fun, but he's a very safe game manager style guy. I'm talking to a Dolphins fan about Tua Tagovailoa here. So, you know, make your own judgments on him. But I just think Bryce Young has shown us something that we've not seen out of Alabama quarterbacks in a while, and that is exciting football. Yeah, I love Bryce Young. I think he's just phenomenal. He's my number two as well. Um, just what he did last year. You, you have to also remember, Mac Jones and Tua had much better talent than Bryce, Bryce Young had to work with last year. Mechie was out for the majority of the year. Jameson Williams was basically the only receipt only receiver he could really target last year. Billingsley went AWOL. The running game was good, but Brian Robinson, I don't think, uh, can touch sort of Josh Jacobs and, and and those guys who 
and Nigel Harris's who, 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 who Tua and Mac Jones had. So, and their offensive line wasn't great last year. Evan Neal was the store of that offensive line. The rest of that offensive line, offensive line wasn't great. And you saw him sort of moving around the pocket, creating plays off script. Just there were some phenomenal plays off script that were just like wow throws. I think I think this year is definitely a one A one B. I don't think it's a one and two. I, I think it's that close. The only the only thing that I think I would say is there's been a lot of chatter about okay, he's probably like Russell Wilson or Kyla in terms of height, but what those two have compared to what Bryce Young has is they're thicker, and that makes a real difference. Oh, he's a real skinny dude. He's, he's, he's wiry, but what that means is against pass rush, it doesn't take a lot to take him down, whereas with Wilson and, Mur- and Murray, it still does take quite a bit to get them down because they are stockier and thicker. I think the biggest thing for Bryce Young is his, his technique, his mechanics are sound, brilliant, brilliant arm talent. He needs to put on Go to the go to the gym and put on some weight, make himself stronger. Because there were some sacks last year where there was hardly a touch he went down, and that would be something that would be concerning for me. Because he well, might look think, at the sack that ended the national championship game. That wasn't the guy fell off of him essentially, and Bryce Young just went down. Yeah, and and the thing is, the pass rush only gets better in the NFL. Bigger guys. And faster less time in fa- the pocket exactly and that would be my one concern because he can't just continually go off script because otherwise he'll get found out so for me that's the one thing he's got to work on this year and i'm a bit concerned about the alabama wide receiver room this year because there is no star i can see at the minute yeah no no i uh, and this is how you know he's talented is that you've got an LSU fan talking about how good he is because, but that being said, when he played LSU last year, the fact that that game come down to Max Johnson, uh, Max Johnson's final pass where he had a guy wide open and just totally balls it shouldn't have been that close. So I think maybe certain defenses bamboozle him a little bit, but he seemed fine as the season went on. I think that was just maybe everyone has a hiccup game throughout the season. And I think that was it for him. But, you know, he he's demonstrated he can play this super high level of football. But like you said, I didn't maybe think about the weight and stuff as much as I should. But yeah, he but luckily he's at Alabama. And if anyone's got a great weight room and training program, I mean, they somehow managed to get Devonta Smith up to 175 pounds. So they're clearly magicians in there. So maybe if he can put on, what do you think, 10, 15 pounds of muscle, just make sure yeah. he's in the weight room, eating right. And do you think that would help him with his, you know, yeah. when he, he breaks sacks and stuff? Agreed. Yeah, I think he needs to get up to about 200 pounds. Um, I think he's at 185 or something like that. So, yeah. I think that's probably a prerequisite for a guy who's going to be trying to stand in the pocket and pass more. I mean, like, look at Jaden Daniels. Yeah, fantastic rushing quarterback, but he's not a guy like, you know, Bryce Young where he's going to stand in the pocket and make these throws. So I And, and he's the, about the same weight. So I think, yeah, maybe if he's going to want to pass more and make his passing game, just, just get him eating nothing but steaks, corn, and butter, and then just make sure he's lifting weights every single day. Because <clears throat> he's got the mechanics, short, intermediate, long game, like his touch, like his accuracy. It's, it's like, ticks all those boxes. And he went to um, Day High School, which as we know is like a quarterback factory. Factory, yeah, yeah. And also it's all one of the things, like his height does get talked about, but he actually does look taller in the pocket than, than his height seems to suggest, which is, that's a, from an optic, optics point of view, that's a good sign because you can tell that um he, he knows what he's doing it's just um yeah he needs to put on some bulk i think that's one of the things that just stands out for me yeah and i think that like you said he looks a lot taller in the pocket i think that's just by the way he sort of like his, his you know it's not a mechanical thing but the way he stands you see a lot of quarterbacks sort of like a little bit more bent at the knees and ready to go where he stands up he's a little bit more rigid but I think that's maybe him compensating for his height just trying to get that extra couple of inches so he can see over the offensive line um but yeah I, I think that's a fantastic breakdown of him and it's I I just know now that we've got the same guy at number two and number one 
<laughs> so do, do you want to get to number one? Oh, what? So you got Spencer Rattler as number one? Oh fucking hell! <laughs> <laughs> just, just joking, just joking. Um, I'll let you kick off because you are you are the quarterback guy, and we we had a little chat before we went on air, and I think we're both in agreement. Even though you're not Ohio State's biggest supporter, I think I think this may be the guy that just makes you tune into them. Oh, CJ Stroud's really fucking good. Isn't he? He's, He's so just good. so good to watch, and like we said earlier that like oh yeah whatever there's the guys that um you know when you see guys you know they're a Sunday player and look we've been spoiled with great Ohio State quarterbacks over the year I mean look the best quarterback in the league right now used to play for Ohio State Joe Burrow I mean he went to a school to play but you know guys who've come through who've been absolutely fantastic at Ohio State um so you've got you know, last year, Justin Fields. And then before that, Dwayne Haskins, rest in peace. And even guys like Cardale Jones and stuff like that, they have all these fantastic quarterbacks that come through that run this system that just don't seem to succeed in the NFL. And I don't think Justin Fields is going to succeed in the NFL either. But CJ Stroud is just different. But just watching him play, it's so, and I hate Ohio State so much, but he's so good. He's just such a good player. He's he's fun to watch. His passes are, and I hate using this word, but he throws a really pretty football. Let's be honest. He he throws a beautiful football. And the fact that last year was his first year as a starter and he played the way he did, the fact that he was making some of those passes and some of those reads is just ridiculous. I mean, 4,400 yards, 44 touchdowns, six picks. He was first in college football in QBR. Now, I know QBR are kind of, you know, QBR is irrelevant unless you're leaning on it to make a point. And I'm going to lean on it to make a point. But the fact that this was his first year as a starter and he's top-ranked QBR in college football is just fantastic. Now, I know they had the big loss to Michigan last year, but, you know, you weren't doing anything against that, you know, that running attack that Michigan had. But, yeah, CJ Stroud, just for me, I think honestly, he if if he has even half the year he had last year, he's got to go first overall, right? Well, second overall because I think Will Anderson will probably be first overall because he's just a freak of nature. D- depends who's picking. To be fair, depends who's picking. Yeah, yeah, agreed. But if the if like the Lions are picking, then it would be um, it would be Stroud. I don't think they're going to pick a quarterback yet. I think they're right now Jared Goff's contract. I think Dan Campbell is an absolute psychopath and believes in him. Um, I also think Dan Campbell just thinks quarterbacks are kind of like irrelevant, which is crazy coming from a guy who used to play tight end in the league. But like, yeah, he's if if it's if it's a quarterback needy team picking first, then I think he's a, a no brainer as the first overall pick if he has you know a similar year to last year because he just he's fantastic his processing is great he progresses through his reads really well he can climb a pocket like a senior already it's just it's it's so ridiculous good. to me and, and the thing is as well last year from the start of the season and what st- stuck out in my mind was that Oregon game where he was not good at all and then just every week getting better and better and better and it, by the end by the end of the season it was just it was just that it was a clinic. Growth. A clinic. Yeah, that's what you want to see. Growth. Like you want to see mistakes because if you see mistakes and they're being corrected, you can tell he's got the IQ, he knows what he's doing wrong, he's being coached correctly because he's got the raw talent, he's got the the, the technique, he's got the the arm talent, he's got he can move around in the pocket, he can he can use his legs. He forced viewers out of town. He I know he, he if you want to build if if you want to build a quarterback in a lab, that is that is your prototype. That is exactly your prototype. And the thing is, you know what? He's he's going to get crabbed for the receiving corps he's had last year and this year. He, they're all going to say, everyone's going to say, "Oh, look, he had Alave and Wilson and um, Jackson Smith and Jigba last year and Ruckets, and this year he's got Smith and Jigba, Harrison. Like, he's just got a multitude of talent, but." I'm sorry, like how he just he just continuously put it in the bucket, short, intermediate, long. It's just like my God, it, it is 
it, it is beautiful. It's poetry. It, and it's, it's such a pretty ball that he throws as well. And yeah, he, he is a star. I, I actually think he, if he continues his progression, he could be a better quarterback prospect than Trevor Lawrence was coming out of college. That's, that's bold, but that's I mean, bold. But I like, I like his game already more than Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I'm not a Trevor Lawrence hater or whatever. I think he's a fantastic quarterback, but you know, we, we say it all the time, but there's just something when you watch him, like I, I fucking hate Ohio state. Let's be real. I detest them almost as much as I detest Arkansas and Alabama. But I still wanted to watch him play every week. I was like, damn, this guy is amazing. Even as much as I hate Ohio State, I found myself rooting for him in the Michigan game. I I found myself rooting for him in the Oregon game. He's just such a fantastic quarterback. Uh, Yeah, I I don't don't know what to say without it being like a love letter at this point. And his offensive line was not very good last year. No. Nicholas Petty, Frere and Taylor Munford, like they're not very good. And they've got Paris Johnson who's going to be the left tackle this year. So big things are needed from him. But um, but yeah, even he, that's that's what you need from a quarterback. Doesn't matter if your offensive line is not great. Like if you can if you can compensate for that and and put it in the bucket of your receivers, like it's just yeah, he is special. That's one thing we don't talk about as well. Obviously, when you talk about accuracy, it's a little bit different to ball placement, just because of you know. Accuracies are you getting to your receiver. Ball placement is are you making it easy for your receiver to catch. There was maybe five or six passes he threw last year that I think were just hard for his receivers to get a hold of. Mm. His ball placement is fantastic. He knows exactly where to put it. The thing I like as well, which I actually had a knock um, on a couple guys for this, but some quarterbacks don't understand you know, the leverage game between wide receivers and DBs. CJ Stroud does. He knows exactly where to put the ball, where only his receiver is going to get it. Now, obviously, he had a few interceptions here and there, a couple of tip balls or whatever. But the fact that he can understand the leverage and know as he's hitting his progressions, which guy is going to be open. It's just, it's a marvel to watch. He's just, his understanding of the game is ridiculous. And I think this is going to be more and more common when we see guys like him come through who just have been, you know, learning football from, you know, as soon as they could learn how to read. So, yeah, I just think oh, it's just going to be fun to watch this year. As much as I hate Ohio State, I'm going to be watching every single game of theirs just to see how he gets on. Yeah, exactly. And just, just furthering your point, number of, you look at some of the touchdowns and some of the catches, especially Lave made last year, like he doesn't need to break stride. Like, and that's where ball placement, that's when you know how good the quarterback is when the, the wide receiver doesn't need to, to to compensate for where your quarterback's placing the ball. Alave continuously didn't break stride and it was just like touchdown, big chunk plays. And it's just, yeah. And, and the and disrespect we're hearing about Ohio State somehow trying to be wide receiver you. I mean, some of that's down to CJ Stroud, for sure. When you make passes as easy to catch as it does and you're putting it to guys who are wide open, it's just... You know, he's elevated that receiver room to something fierce, honestly. Yeah, well, and Brian Hartline is probably the best yeah. wide receiver coach uh, in college. And, I, would and, say, and pro- I would say Cortez Hankton, but I am biased. Yeah, but I don't know. What he's, what he's put through to the NFL, I think Brian Hartline is definitely... Obviously, a bit of Miami love there. Obviously, I want him to be one of our offensive coordinators in the future, maybe a future head coach, but... But yeah, no, he, he's a phenomenal coach. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll speak about wide receivers in a future podcast. But CJ Stroud, we both agree. Um, all right, moving on to someone who you think is not getting as much hype, but come April, his name will be more up in lights than it currently is. Um, I'm going to go Jake Hayner out of Fresno State because I think he could be this year's Bailey Zapp. Now, last year... 67% completion percentage, 4,000 yards, 33 touchdown, nine picks. Just, I was scouting him for the guide because there was a point in the season last year where he talked about wanting to declare, but also transfer portal. So I watched a lot of his game tape and I really like his game. He's 
he's one of those guys as well, like not like Grayson McCall, but you've got to worry about the level of competition he's playing. He is a group of five school, not a great group of five school either in Fresno State. So the, the concerns are there, but everywhere else, he is just fantastic. He, he's got a great arm. He's very, very accurate. I don't want to say game manager because he can make plays with his legs and stuff when he needs to. I just think he's one of those guys who's just going to be overlooked on virtue of the conference he's in. He'll probably end up going in like the third or fourth round. And I think once he finally gets the time to shine in the NFL, as long as he's getting developed properly, I think he could be, I think he could be like a Kirk Cousins type guy. You know what I mean? Go, goes in like the third, maybe later rounds. And when he ends up getting a starting shot, he'll shine. I just think he's going to get almost no attention this year just because he plays for Fresno State. Yeah, no, I've got, I've got Jake Henners, eight, one of those guys. I think, um, yeah, I like him a lot. Um, and then, and, and you've called out perfectly in terms of why you think he's underrated. And I, I do actually think that he's definitely going to be someone we talk about a lot more. Fresno State now has produced good quarterbacks. Look at Derek Carr. So, um, so yeah, it's not it's not as if they, they, they can be a, a talent factory for quarterbacks. So, my, my concern is though, does he have his um, Devonte Adams, Devontae at Adams, yeah. State right now, like yeah. Derek Carr did? I'm not so sure. That and that's where the you know being at a slightly worse school can come into play because you're also like I said, guys like CJ Stroud are elevating the talent around him. But if you don't have any talent around you at all, then you're not going to be able to elevate anyone. So, yeah, agreed. Yeah. Right, my underrated guy we mentioned, but one of them was it was going to be Hendon Hooker. Um, so I think we, we we you stole my thunder a little bit there, but I think very similar to to obviously what you said. I don't think there's really much more to add. But another guy that I'm excited to see in a much more powerful offense is Dylan Gabriel at Oklahoma. Oh yes. Yeah, I'm excited for him. I'm really excited for him. Transferring from UCF to, to Oklahoma with Marvin Mims and Jaden Hazelwood. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, with that with that elite talent, a wide receiver, I'm. I want to see. I, I want to see his numbers because obviously lefty quarterback. Obviously, with two, I've got a, a sort of a a soft spot for lefty quarterbacks and. If he can just stay fit, I think that's the biggest thing. Like, if he can just stay fit for a full season in that offense, obviously that offense is going to completely change with Lincoln Riley now, now, uh, now gone. Um, he could put some real good tape on this year and some real numbers. And he throws a really pretty ball, a really pretty ball. And he's got decent arm talent and his mechanics are good. It's just about staying fit for him. I, um, I see a little bit of Michael Penix Jr. about him, and that's not just a left-handed comparison. But the dude just does give no fucks about his personal safety. No. Like, and, as and a quarterback, the- you have to be smart in that respect. Like, sometimes you're going to have to be like, all right, we're going to have to punt here. He, that doesn't compute in his brain. He's just like, oh, if my head falls off, dive in for this first down, I'll do it. And that just yeah. concerns me. But he, he throws a real pretty ball. Oh, Again, yeah. his, ball, his ball placement is really good. But sometimes, sometimes he, he can have the mental, like the mental block and he throws some real dumb interceptions. But maybe as a result of being behind a better offensive line, then those mistakes and being at a, a better school as well, hopefully those mistakes maybe start to start to fade away and also there's a little bit more talent at Oklahoma than there is at UCF to be honest just a little bit just a little bit <laughs> like throwing to Marvin Mims and Jaden Hazelwood is, is that's not bad right so yeah, <laughs> yeah it's so... that that should elevate his game obviously lefty quarterbacks really don't get enough love but I mean Tour isn't left-handed let's just be real the dude throws yeah. his left hand for no explicable reason but I think you know he is left-handed. You can see that he's very comfortable throwing the ball with his left hand. I like that no coach has made an attempt to change because you tend to find a lot of left-handed kids. The coaches will try and make them throw right-handed. You see when Dil- Dylan Gabriel, he's clearly coaches just said, yeah, you've got a talent for this. Just go. And it looks fantastic on tape. Like I said, though, only thing I'd change is 
please stop trying to die every single time it's like a a third and two and the pocket collapses just it's not worth it son just just play smart football uh, and make your way to the nfl and make your millions i oh, know no. yeah just stay safe that's all i can stay safe <laughs> and and moving on to overrated who is your overrated guy that is getting way too much love and doesn't deserve it this was a toss-up I'm going to say it though, Spencer Rattler, because some people still think he's like a solid fucking quarterback or whatever. Like, yes, he he is talented. There's no denying it. But he is a locker room cancer. He is not a team player. He is not conducive to building a winning culture. And you'd have to be fucking mental to try and get this guy into an NFL locker room to try and lead a team. I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening at South Carolina. I just don't think he's the guy at all. I think he'll probably still get drafted off the fact that he was a great high school quarterback. We've seen that happen before. Matt Castle never even played a college snap and somehow still got drafted and had a 15-1 and season in the NFL. Not 15-1, and sorry. 11-5. and So, like, I don't know where 15-1 and came from. Um, so, I just... There's too much hype around him, yet we've already seen who he is. Now, I'm not saying people can't change, but when you're senior year of high school, when you should be mature enough and ready to go play college football, you are making fun of your backups who can't make the same throws as you, or a receiver drops a funnily thrown ball, and then you're putting that blame solely on the receiver instead of saying, let's run it again, I'll try and throw, but whatever. And Oklahoma, he's just shown he's a little fucking baby. He shouldn't be allowed to run an offense. And in my opinion, he shouldn't be on an NFL team because I don't think he has the right attitude. And I know that's like, oh, whatever. He could have other things going on. But if QB1 under behind the lights was anything to go by, fantastic home life, really supportive family. I don't know if there's any other issues behind the scenes, but it just seems like he's not built to, you know, carry a team, lead a team. And that concerns me. He has the best arm talent in the SEC, but all the mental baggage, both on the field and off the field, just totally supersedes it. And I don't think that's going to change, even with a change of scenario. Like his his arm talent is ridiculous. Like the amount of whip he gets from his wrist to throw a ball 60, 70 yards down the field. Like he has got, he's so toolsy, but... The mental mistakes on the field, like some of those mistakes last year were just horrific. I hate to be that guy, but I think Garrett Nussmeyer's got a stronger arm. And I'm not saying that just because like he's he's an LSU guy, but like he's grown up around football. His dad is Dak Prescott's quarterback coach. Like he does this all day, every day. And we've seen the improvements in the spring game. He's just whipping balls up there. So I think I'm going to give Garrett Nussmeyer the arm strength thing. But yeah, Spencer Rattler is an insane talent. I just... I don't think he's even scratching top five quarterback in the SEC this year. He will get drafted as a project, like 100%. Like, yeah, of course. He, he, like you, could, you could see like taking him under his wing and just seeing if he can sort his head out, no matter what he does at South Carolina this year. But yeah, agreed. He's, he's getting talked up like a first-round talent again. And, also, and it's just... We, I might get Lee to cut this bit out if we're not allowed to keep it, but um, Taryn's sister, she's like a, a student advisor at South Carolina. Like she works at the University of South Carolina. She works with like students, student athletes. She, she said Spencer Rattler's one of the most hated guys on campus before he even got there. Like because everyone there knew oh. who he was. Like, oh, he was at Oklahoma. This guy might be legit. Watch QB1 Beyond the Lights. I was like, this guy's a prick. Like, he came in already. Half the fan base was like, I don't fucking want him here. I don't know if Lee can keep oh, that in no. or whatever, because it's hearsay. But you know what I mean? It's It it just speaks yeah. to who he is as a person, that you get on campus as this, like, God-level quarterback, and everyone's like, mate, you're a dick. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. You prefix that, allegedly. Yeah, yeah. this yeah, was an just, alleged just... conversation I had with um, my sister-in-law. <laughs> moving on swiftly to my overrated quarterback and I'm going to go with someone who 
didn't finish the season last year, but I'm just I'm just not sold because he's getting hyped up, and I know Jake mentioned him in our ACC article, which is a fantastic read. Make sure you make sure you read that. It's a really really good read. But Phil Djokovic, I just I just can't like his injury. I, yeah, I just don't get it at all. Yeah, his arm talent's not great. He's a statue in the pocket. He couldn't beat out Ian Book at Notre Dame. Like, I don't, I, I just, I just don't, I just don't see it. He's just, the, 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 the immobility of that guy in the pocket is just, just oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah, he just doesn't move in the pocket. He's big. He's a big guy. He's like 6'5 and he's, he, 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 he's built, but it's just, yeah, I can't have him at all. And I know he's being talked up again. Um, he'll have he might put up some good numbers at Boston College but as a draft prospect no thanks nowhere near draft eligible for me just he's rubbish and was it was it his arm or finger it was arm it was some uh, arm or hand injury or shoulder injury that he, he he got this year I think it was um so I don't know whether that was his throwing arm or not, but if that inhibits his talent, then there isn't much talent there to work with in the first place. I just can't get off the fact that he can beat out Ian Book, and Ian Book is pants. So, Ian Book is so that, bad. Yeah, and that, and that says it all, really. So, how are you going to be as bad yeah, as that's... Ian Book when you have a go a goated coach like Brian Kelly? I know. Well. Is that a goated coach because of his dance moves, and or is it a goated coach from by by the what funny he's thing is the people always mention those dance moves, but almost every recruit who's come through since he's has asked to do that with him now. So I think like oh, it's actually no. a novelty. And Brian Kelly's a very smart man, and he looked at the SEC rules. And if you have a residence, which was I think within a mile of campus, you can host recruits on unofficial visits so he's just been having cookouts with like all the top recruits in the country and you've seen it in the recruiting now we started you know we were like middling 40s in recruiting talent this season now we're top 10 so if you can't beat out you know if you can't succeed under that guy who are you going to succeed under well we'll wait and see we'll wait and see season's not too long away now so as per every start of every season LSU hype trains in full swing and then we shall see if that continues uh, after uh, after the summer and it, until the college football season starts. If Brian so Kelly had just gone for see. a divorce, I'd be worried. But he hasn't. We'll probably be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll temper my expectations. I'm not expecting a playoff visit this year. I mean, year after, fully expecting it. But I'll temper expectations. I nearly, very nearly added to underrated. I very nearly added Miles Brennan to this list because he is a fantastic quarterback, but also LSU propaganda. We don't need that, but also the fact I don't think he's going to start anymore. So, Because if he was going to start, I'd have 100% added him to the list. On that note, so... Uh, we're going to close it out. So that was our quarterback summer scouting pod. Um, Kieran, just give a shout out and where we can find you and what's up coming for yourself. Yeah, at Kieran Horn CFB on Twitter. That's H O R N E. I should have probably spelled my first name actually because no one's going to be able to get that unless they're Irish. Um, K I E R E N H O R N E CFB. Just a lot of stuff there. Obviously, you can link to my YouTube channel, which is also at Kieran Horn CFB, releasing videos weekly. Last video talking about our introducing the rookie series. We talked about Desmond Ridder. So if you go over there, subscribe, click the bell icon, turn your notifications on. You will have a fresh video in your inbox weekly. And then once I move house in a few months, bi-weekly. No, twice weekly. Twice weekly or fortnightly? twice weekly i would be doing friday and monday uploads there you go just good always worth clarifying with and in terms of just just a shout out to all the guys in the team the content going out at the minute is absolutely stellar couple new guys as well who are doing absolutely fantastically 
yeah and lots of lots of great stuff being thrown out in terms of articles and the the upcoming pods and um yeah no some real top top stuff um we're not gonna have anything on the website for two weeks though is that right two weeks yeah there's a two week uh downtime as the website gets uh maintained and upgraded but um don't worry guys you can always you can always uh message us on twitter and we can give you send you some google docs yeah we can fill in a two-week void if if if, if you're really missing our content um but you can find me at the garch on twitter um yeah no i'll be doing a lot of the summer scouting pods on the offense so we'll get the likes of keith in for the offensive line and um the other guys in for the other position groups and uh Yeah, we shall see. But um, but yeah, thanks, Kieran, for joining me today. And um, you'll hear my voice shortly for another offensive summer scouting pod. What 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 um position groups are you going to be doing on the offense? Wide receivers, running backs, offensive line, and tight ends. I think I'll be doing them all. So I think Lee's doing Lee's doing the defense. I'm doing the offense. And remember, it's the underscore Garch on Twitter if he doesn't have Kayshawn Boutte as his number one receiver in college football right now. Um, okay, I might tweet, change my Twitter handle. No, actually, <laughs> uh, actually, well, question mark, you have to listen to find out. Exactly. That's what I was talking about. <laughs> all right. All right, guys. Thanks. Thanks very much for listening. And uh, you'll hear us Thank in Thank you so much for tuning in to the full 10 yards. Thank you for tuning into the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast, where we have great information and some great content for you guys. Keep on flying that flag.